Hello and welcome back to another episode of Dating, Laughter and Disasters with me, Lulu Johnson. A show that's all about the highs and lows of modern dating and on this podcast we are laughing about it. Joining me this week is compatibility queen Alessia and my god lads, I learned so much from this one hour chat with her. She's just fantastic. Alessia comes on to explain what compatibility is and the factors that make you compatible with others. We went into chats about finding love strategically and if that's actually something that works and also the importance of slow burns rather than expecting fireworks on your first date. I learned that men have a way worse time finding dates online than women do. They get like two matches a week. I just thought that was extraordinary. But luckily, Alessia is part of the speed dating movement where she hosts high compatibility speed dating events as well as regular speed dating events. I tell you, this episode could change your life. I found out so much more than I was expecting to. So stay tuned to the very end where she also answers my burning question if opposites really do attract. If you too would like to come on the show, if you have some knowledge to share, don't be shy. Slide into my DMs at datinginberlin underscore book on Instagram or you can email me at datinginberlinbook at gmail.com. And don't forget to like, share and subscribe and all that jazz, lads. So without further ado, let's start the show. Yo! So Alessia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So tell us, what makes you the compatibility pro? Um, I mean, I did, I, I studied psychology and I did do some researches uh, in the topic of compatibility and relationship. And I'm really passionate about this topic. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm an expert or a pro, but I think I have some good insights in the topic. You're more of an expert than I am. So. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll consider you an expert. Walk us through what compatibility is. What does it actually mean to be compatible? Hmm. This is a very big question. Uh, I will try to maybe break it down. So um, first of all, I would like to say that compatibility is only one part of being in a relationship. So sometimes we think that when we find someone who's compatible, that is enough. But actually good relationships are composed of being compatible with someone, but also putting a lot of effort into this. So putting effort, this is something we can do, we have control over. Finding someone compatible, this is a bit more random in a way. Um, so, well, compatibility at, by definition comes from the word compatible. So what, what is compatible? Something is compatible if we can be with a person, with a thing, with an environment for a long time without many problems or friction. And you can actually use the same concept for uh, a lifestyle or a career. For example, you could say that this career is compatible with a certain lifestyle or you could say that this application is compatible with a certain smartphone so it means that these two things can get along together can be close without friction or without issues uh, now the question is how do you know if someone is compatible how do you find someone compatible um, so usually what research says is that we tend to be more compatible at least in the long run with people who are similar to us Okay, so I know we like this uh, theory that opposite attract and that we can be complementary in some ways. This can be true to some extent, but actually most research shows that um, we are compatible. So we can have healthier, longer, with less conflict relationships with people who are similar to us. The good thing is that we don't have to be similar for every aspect that there is. That would be very unlikely. So if you are similar to your partner for cer certain factors, they're not that many, probably less than 10 factors, you just have higher chances to be compatible with this person and to get along with this person for 
long time. So to have a longer relationship, a happier relationship, healthier, with less conflict, more satisfaction. Amazing. Okay, so what are those factors that would make us compatible with someone? Yeah, so the main factors um, are, well, some life views. So for example, religious beliefs, this is a big one, and also political opinions. Um, another big one is age. So we tend to be more compatible with someone who is our age. Uh, level of education. So the same, let's say, degree or level of education that you achieved. And there's also one that people usually don't like, but it's true, which is logical intelligence, mm -hmm. which is one side of intelligence, the one you usually test with IQ tests. So if you are similar to your partner in logical intelligence, you just tend to get along uh, happier and yeah, longer. Makes sense, I guess. I mean, if someone's only into watching cartoons, but the other yeah. one is into watching politics. Yeah, but, you know, then opposites attract. So, you know, mm -hmm. so you're, you're saying that basically, I mean, how many factors does it take for someone to be compatible with the other? Um, it's more like the more you are similar in this factor, the better. Okay. Um, there's not a, a specific threshold. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some factors that weight more. Um, I think, for example, in logical intelligence and some life views have a very big uh, impact in the relationship. But some other factors, for example, values to some extent, sense of humor as well. Um, and when we mention logical intelligence, this actually correlates with humor. So, um, I mean, oh, it, yeah, interesting. Okay. yeah, I mean, it makes sense that we want someone who is similar uh, for intelligence because intelligence also correlates with the way you see the world. So and also your reasoning or thinking style. So if you have a really logical way of thinking, if you have a really conspirative way of thinking, um, and also with humor. Um, when we were younger, when we are a child, uh, we laugh for certain things. So some things make us laugh. And then as we grow, we might change what makes us laugh. So our sense of humor. And this goes the same with intelligence. So there's a correlation there. And people who are compatible also tend to have the same sense of humor. And there are many more styles of humor than we might think. So it's a uh, Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. And so like, I mean, how could you tell when, when you're compatible with someone, you know, I mean, okay, obviously you can tell if you both like the same things, I get it, but like, that doesn't always necessarily mean you're a good match. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if you like the same thing, so you have same passion or same hobbies, this is an added value, but this is not necessarily a factor of compatibility. So some people like to have things in common with their partner, so similar hobbies, similar passions, but some people actually don't want that. They want to keep their space, you know, to only play sports with their friends or to really feel that they are a separate individual from their partner. So I think the sphere of hobbies and passion, this is something else. Um, so the question is, how do you find out? Mm -hmm. or, hmm. I mean, I think it's really hard to tell if you're compatible with someone at the very beginning. Um, but I guess you get a gut feeling that you could spend a lot of time with this person without being frustrated or annoyed. And you also have the feeling that this person is safe in a way, uh, that this person will understand you. And this person doesn't require a lot of compromise from your side. Because people who are different from us, they have different life 
views, but they also have different passions and hobbies. They also want to spend the weekend differently or they want to eat out at a different place, you know? So it means that if you want to get along with someone who's different from you, you have to compromise a lot. Mm-hmm. And compromises are great. We love compromises, but we are only able to compromise when all our needs are satisfied. So when we're happy, when we have a job, when we have a family, when we have food. But if one day we are tired or we are hungry or angry at someone, which is very likely, we are humans, um, we are just less willing to compromise. Mm -hmm. And so maybe one day you're not really willing to compromise. A couple of weeks after, same thing happens. And just in the long run, this is not really sustainable for a relationship to always have to compromise. And so this leads to a lot of conflicts, frustration, resentment, and then eventually breaking up. Interesting. Okay. And like, um, obviously it takes time to get to know if, if someone is compatible with you or not, but like, is there, is there like a test you can do? Is there like a trick to finding out faster? Hmm. It's probably a really stupid question, but like, you know, just to kind of save time, there must be some, some sort of method. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wish there was, uh, (laughs) I think. Something you can do is um, really see how you feel when you are with that person. And this can be tricky because a lot of people talk about having butterflies in your tummy and uh, this can be tricky. So if you feel butterflies, you should be able to differentiate between positive butterflies and negative butterflies, which are actually uh, another way to feel anxiety. So Mm -hmm. I will take a step back here. So... um, So you want to be with a person that makes you feel both safe and excited, which means you want to be with someone who makes you feel secure and safe. Like you don't have to pretend to be someone else. You don't have to live up some expectations. But at the same time, um, you want to feel a bit of adrenaline, a bit of excitement, um, which is what we usually call butterflies, right? But at the same time, there could be some people that makes us feel this adrenaline, this excitement, which is actually anxiety. So in that, in this case, we don't have the safety part, the safety aspect to it. We just feel a lot of anxiety and we think this is a positive signal because we think that this means the person is intriguing for us, is entertaining, which is true to some extent, but it also has higher chances to make us develop anxiety, make us feel really vulnerable, really insecure. So I guess a test in a way you could do is you, you should ask yourself, what am I feeling? Uh, am I feeling excited? Yes, this is good. But what type of excitement? Is it a type of excitement that's not sustainable in the long run? Do I have to take a break after being with this person? Or could I go on for days? Um, but also, is this person entertaining enough? Or am I actually getting bored? Um, am I getting value from being with this person? And do I feel validated back? I guess if you start asking yourself these questions after a few dates, it's not super hard to figure out. That's great. So it's actually like listening to your gut, like yeah. just fo- following your instincts. I think that is so important because I, I know so many people, including myself, who have just been dating people and you feel like it's wrong and you shouldn't mm-hmm. continue. But for whatever reason, people keep going. But I think everyone, there needs to be like workshops or like modules in universities and schools to like actually listen to your body. Sometimes our stomach is like screaming out at us to be like, don't continue dating this person and things like that. So that's a huge thing. Yeah. There needs to be like a checklist. Mm. It can also be tricky 
because some people are really impulsive and they follow their guts anyway. Uh -huh. So, and sometimes we feel emotions and we think that those emotions need to have a consequence. So if I have this, if I feel this, it means something. It has to have a meaning. Not all the emotions have a meaning. So I think this uh, advice depends on the type of person you are. So if you're very rational, uh, you should probably start feel listening to your guts more. If you are already very impulsive, um, maybe that's not the best advice. Ah, okay. That's actually really interesting to know because I think I just always like blanket statement these things to be like, everyone is mm -hmm. the same as me. Yeah. I, I would be rational. I wouldn't make too many brash decisions. Therefore, I would think, oh, everyone just sit down and listen to your body. So like, do you have advice to give people then who make these very quick decisions? Like, how could they figure out their, if their partner is, is compatible, if they can't really sit with their, with their instinct? I guess it's really important in this case to trust red flags. So when you see a red flag, uh, you should not assume, especially if you see a red flag at the very beginning, you should not assume that the red flag will go away or that it's probably only this one red flag. So even people who are really instinctive and have gut feelings, they usually still notice that something is off. They just think that their emotions are in a way more important mm -hmm. than what they notice rationally. And so their emotion become, that becomes the most important part. But they can still notice that something is off. So I guess in that case, it would be important to just give more credit to this more rational part. Um, because when we see someone for the first time, so during the first dates, we might notice something. We might notice some red flags. Um, and it's very likely that if we notice red flags at the first date, we will notice so many more at the second date and then so many more at the third and so on. Because the first date is usually when people want to show the best version of themselves. So if you already see that something is off at the very first date, chances are that you will notice more and more um, as the time goes on. And especially when the person doesn't have to look a certain way or perform a certain way. Um, of course, there are exceptions, but I also think that love is a game number and we just don't have a lot of time to try with everyone and to, you know, try all the possibility and all the opportunities. If we had unlimited time on this earth, maybe we could give everyone a chance. But because we don't have unlimited time, I think we might need a strategy. Oh, yeah. yeah. A friend of mine said that to me recently that I should mm -hmm. start get, like getting a strategy together about finding someone. And I'm like, but that feels like it's too, um, like, yes, yeah, it's, it, it's too strategic. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you know, sometimes love just kind of comes. But OK, like this is perhaps off topic of compatibility. Mm -hmm. But do you have like tips for getting a strategy together to find someone? You can help me find a man. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I. I know that it feels very strategic in a way it feels more artificial if it's strategic mm -hmm. but a bit forced almost yeah yeah but this is actually only the beginning so it's only how you choose someone it's only helping your decision making process this has nothing to do with love itself or the relationship itself so the magic that we think of love you know when we think of love we think of sparkles and magic right but this still remains it just happens a bit after. So this is something that has to do with the relationship, not necessarily with the story of how you start mm -hmm. a relationship. And I think this is also tricky. Sometimes we really fall in love with the story more than with the person. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of 
relationships start in situations, for example, uh, at the airport or at the train station. Um, or they just have a beautiful story of how the relationship started. And sometimes we really like the story much more because we feel the story with a lot of meaning and a lot of... It's romanticized, right? Yeah, like it's the romanticized, movies. exactly. It sounds like you're saying that a slow burn is better than suddenly meeting someone on a first date and like wanting to get the spark straight away. Yeah, because if you get the spark straight away, it's very likely to be anxiety at that point. Oh. Yeah. Um, again, it really depends how you define the spark. Um, but usually when you instantly connect with someone you just met, uh, it probably has to do with the way they look more with what they say or what they are. Of course, again, there are exceptions. There are always exceptions. But um, it's just a more, let's say, conservative way to um, slowly develop feelings for someone and try to analyze as rationally as you can what you're feeling and how would this person fit into your life. Interesting. I mean, well, the problem is that, I mean, I feel like you, like one could make a, a plan, be strategic about it, but then you just have to find the person who you're compatible with. Because uh, mm -hmm. my friend Ivy, she comes on the show often. Ivy was saying that her friend created this Excel list, had all of the things that she wanted the, the men to have, and the men that she was going to meet, she was going to meet them from online. They had to tick like 80% of those, um, of, of the list. And she's trying to get me to do like to do something like that but I, I i just would think that it's just too well planned mm -hmm. have you like any tips for like what what you could like what is the best strategy should i just also make a list and <laughs> go through all of the men like it's a, a catalog you know well that's really interesting that you're bringing this up um i think first of all we need to differentiate between features so one thing should be relationship feature and one one thing should be personal feature mm -hmm. so if you are choosing how this person for example looks or how this person acts or what this person has this is probably not the best strategy that you can have um, you don't have to necessarily be selective on how this person looks because for example physical attraction and also sexual attraction they can develop over time so it's okay if you don't feel this type of attraction at the very beginning because this can happen later on um, similar thing with the status of a person with resources a person has or where this person lives, because this thing can change over time um, so this is about personal features then we have relationship features. So for example, what does this person want in a relationship? How does this person act? What is this person's love language? Or are they kind? Are they nice? Are they available? All these things, for these things, it makes sense to be selective. It makes sense to know beforehand what we're looking for. Because it, we can get caught up in the moment, so it's better to know beforehand what we're looking for. But again, this is only for relationship features. Um, of course, this looks very strategic, but I think we don't have to follow this line. I mean, we don't have to follow the strategy uh, deeply, mm -hmm. but it can be used as a compass to know where to find these people. So when you create a list of the features you're looking for, you can then also guess where this person will be. So for example, if this if you want someone who's very extroverted and who loves to party, 
it's very likely that this person will go to clubs a lot, will go to bars a lot. So if you want to meet someone like that, the best strategy would be to then go to a lot of pubs and a lot of clubs. If you want to meet someone who is very thoughtful and reflective, maybe into reading, processing emotions, then you might want to go to a book club or to, I don't know, charity group. Sorry, two seconds, let me just pick my, my mouth up off the floor. This is like, <laughs> th these details are so important. That's yeah. so, like, that's overwhelming now for me to just, oh, wow, I want like a thoughtful, reflective mm -hmm. guy. I need to just stand outside the library. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, I think love is a number game. So, of course, this is not for sure that if you go to a library, you will find love of your life, but it's just more likely yeah, that yeah, it's that there sense, rather than yeah. a club. Yeah. yeah. So you can use this again as a compass to know where to look for. And because we have limited time, it's better to know where you look for. Um, it's still, it might still take a long time, but you just have a more effective strategy yeah, at this point. Okay. Um, but I should also say that um, this idea to, that we can create um, like the perfect or the ideal partner is a really modern idea. So in the past, we, didn't, we, we could not really create the perfect match. So most of the job was putting effort into the relationship. Mm -hmm. So remember how at the beginning I mentioned that it's compatibility and effort. Mm -hmm. So at the begin, so in the past, there was no such thing as compatibility relationship were only effort based and you could love potentially anyone because it only depended on the effort that you put oh into the relationship now we have this privilege to also have compatibility so we can put effort into a relationship but with someone who's also compatible with us but this doesn't mean that we need to create like actually create someone uh, who is an ideal partner um, this can be tricky because when you are searching for perfection you are usually disappointed so we should keep i think both aspects in mind so finding someone who's compatible let's say more than average not maybe 90 percent 100 percent, but just much more than average that's good enough and then putting a lot of effort into the relationship and this is i think formula of best relationship that's really interesting that you said the compa compatibility is just it, it's new i mean how, how long has it been around for like how long are people really working on their compatibility matches i mean in the western world is pretty recent it's probably like 56 years old but in some other countries still now uh, compatibility is still not a thing um, oh yeah of course yeah, yeah wouldn't it? because it makes sense that you have to put effort in because I keep getting the advice of don't expect things to happen very quickly. Like, don't look for the spark, look for the slow burn, put in the effort and then people will grow in you. And it has happened in the past that after years of knowing people, some unexpected friends have, have grown on me. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, I might have a crush on so-and-so. Didn't have that two years ago, but over time. But yeah. I think that's the issue with online dating is that you meet someone, there is no spark, but you like them. But are you going to put in hours of work with this person even though, you know, because if they're not part of your friendship group, that means you have to take time out to see if this is going to grow. Mm -hmm. And then unless you're both going to be on the same page of let's literally just see how this goes over the next few weeks. And then we have to like discuss if we're actually going to, if, if we fancy each other or not. I find that the most difficult part because I think as well, I mean, for me anyway, I'm slower now to date because I would rather spend that time with my friends mm -hmm. or by myself or do whatever and not focus on a complete stranger who in the end might not, you know, like it might not become anything with them. 
Yeah. So it is all about effort, and I think that is the issue with the with the online dates. But at the end of the day, you're you're going to put in whatever effort that you want to put in. You yeah, know? but this is the biggest issue with dating apps because how why would you want to invest in someone that you don't know and take away time from yourself or your friends um, when you basically have no clue who the person is and. Um, not only that, but online dating is um, creates a lot of actually anxiety in the in people. And when you go on a date, you're not in your best mindset. You're not really open. Your attitude is not um, free of expectations. So when you go on a date with someone, you probably already saw their pictures and you probably already texted a bit. And the more you text, the more expectations you create. So you already have an idea of what this person will do in their life, what they'll be like. And when you talk to them, you're not really listening or getting to know them. You're testing them. You're evaluating them. So uh, you're not in this really like free and open attitude, which means you have actually less chances to develop feeling for this person. So the same person that you meet at a train station and you fall in love with them. So if you met the same person through a dating app, you would actually have less chances to develop feeling for the very same person. Because the setting of dating apps and the setting of dates, um, they just create an environment that decreases chances to fall in love or develop feelings. And so when you talk to the person, you are testing the person. You are seeing uh, if what they say could match with your lifestyle. Or if, um, or if they live up to your expectations because yeah. you made an image out of them in your head before you ever met them. Yeah. <gasps> your info is gold. I'm loving yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, how many times... That it happened to you that you had an expectation about something and the reality turned out to be exactly like that basically never it never happens yeah no never yeah even it doesn't necessarily mean worse sometimes it's just equal but just different mm-hmm. um but it's just not the way you expect it so when you go on a date with expectations this is already like a formula to ruin your chances mm-hmm. of falling in love um, and not only that but with dating apps you have a lot of other Uh, social dynamic that usually don't happen for example you have ghosting you have uh, you have people not feeling safe in dating apps Uh, dating apps can actually really decrease your self-esteem they have very bad impact on your mental health on your again self-esteem on also on what you think about other people in general on your life views i mean um yeah you have to be really careful with dating apps that's mental um, because I was listening to a podcast um, recently. It's on the diary of a CEO. I'm going to actually add the link to it. It's this woman that works for Hinge. Mm-hmm. And she was saying also that, you know, if you want to go and date someone, it, it has to do also with the environment. Like if you're going to meet them, she was kind of trying to say, if you're going to meet someone for a, a morning date mm-hmm. at eight o'clock in the morning before you go to work it's a different setup yeah. than to if you were going to meet them at a fancy restaurant and you get dressed up because you're not rushing. It's a different setting. Everything is different. And just like that, when you meet someone randomly, not from online, you meet them in, say, if you met them at a house party, you meet them in their natural environment with people around. You see how they interact. You pick up on on, on people's energy as well, mm-hmm. which is so important, right? Yeah. Because I'd, I'd love to learn more about energies because I think we really need to tap into that as well. You know, mm-hmm. you can... You can you can get so much from just someone's eyes. You know, mm-hmm. someone can have sad eyes. Like, eyes can tell a lot. Eyes of the window to the soul, isn't that what they say? Um, and I do find that really important. I do find, at the end of the day, Tinder and all these profiles, they're just pixels. And we're yeah. all giving our best five photos, you know? And then you go meet them, and it's just like, oh, no. And then it's a waste mm-hmm. of your time. And 
can also be quite awkward finishing the date or telling someone if you decide to not ghost them, which would be the preferred method. It's always awkward to be like, sorry, I don't want to take this further, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes people take that rejection badly. And other times it's just I had it recently. There was a nice guy that I met and I just felt really un like I, I didn't want to let him down because he was so nice. But like that was the example I was using in my head. He was a guy that I met. Um, but there was no excitement with him and mm -hmm. I wasn't going to give that time afterwards to try and build something that wasn't there. Uh, and so I felt really uncomfortable, like telling him the next day, I'm sorry, I just don't want to see you anymore. You know, so there's yeah. so many factors. And so, so then like, what is your advice when it comes to dating apps then? Just stay off them? Um, I mean, stay off them seems a bit radical. Um, I think you should be careful with dating apps. Um, you can use some tips here and there. For example, you should structure, you could structure your date in a way that you're going to enjoy the date anyways. So even if you don't like the person, even if nothing comes out of it, you might still enjoy what you're doing. So for example, you should suggest to do an activity that you would like anyways, or you could suggest to go on a date, but maybe not be completely alone. So maybe have some friends coming oh, yeah. with you or, um, because you can also see how this person interacts with your social circle and you can see if this person has social skills. I think it also takes some pressure off of you because you don't have to completely be focused on the conversation all the time. But you can also observe how the person is without, again, this pressure. Um, I think maybe a good strategy for dating apps would also be to start to understand. So after a while you use dating apps, you probably understand which type of person you're attracted to, um, which type of guy or girl is emotionally available, who is giving you good vibes or bad vibes. I think you you start to get a sense of who you're dealing with. Um, and so maybe you can then implement these strategies into a better way of dating. Um, you should also maybe not take ghosting or rejection as very personal. This can be a good learning. If you can make a good learning out of it, that's great. Um, I think I think it's really hard not to be affected by dating apps and I've talked to a lot of people and I think 90% of them said that they had a very bad experience with dating apps. So dating app is a huge market, but most people are unsatisfied with that, which is crazy. I mean, what are other markets where people are unsatisfied? Biggest market yeah. are food, tech, travel, and everyone's happy with these areas. But dating is also a huge market, but most people are unsatisfied. And of those that you know that are unsatisfied, are they males or female? Who, those who aren't? Who, who are dissatisfied. Is it, is it mm. mix? Is it because I, I know that, well, I know women have way crazier experiences from the interviews that I've conducted of, yeah. of the men that I've chatted to. They don't have anything wild to say at all, mm -hmm. but the women do. But then online, when I'm on Reddit and I'm scouring through for some dating stories, mm -hmm. There's a lot of men saying they can't even get dates. Yeah. You know, um, do you find that there's one side that's getting that that is more dissatisfied with online dating? I mean, it's usually boys are usually more dissatisfied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this has different reasons. Uh, first reason is that it's about percentage. So I think there's usually uh, one girl for 10 guys on dating apps. This is the proportion, so one to 10. Um, not only that, but... Um, Usually um, girls profile are better curated and they have maybe better pictures. They put more effort, which means they tend to get more likes, whereas maybe boys have uh, not as curated uh, profiles, uh, which means they would not get as many likes. 
Um, sometimes it's just because they don't have good pictures on themselves. They don't have friends who take those pictures. That's true. I read that recently, actually, yeah. because I have noticed as I'm swiping, like most guys just have selfies and they're all from very, not, not all, but they can be from very uh, unattractive angles or mm -hmm. they're just, they're, they don't show much of their personality in their photos. And I've heard that it's men don't really know how to take those photos. They aren't yeah. the ones taking the selfies from all of the sexy angles and stuff. So yeah, I can see how that's a contributing factor. Yeah, and Tinder and other dating apps, they basically just show picture of you. So if you don't have good pictures, you're basically out of the game. Mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but yeah, as you were mentioning, boys tend to get uh, a significantly less number of dates. Uh, and Matches as well. Do they get less matches? Did yes, I one time? Yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. um, I think a good number would be they would usually get around two matches per week. Per week? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I thought I was bad getting around <laughs> two per day. No. Oh shit. Yeah. It's oh, really bad. Oh, that's really bad. Mm -hmm. Is there a consequence to that? Um, so what usually happens is that 10% of very attractive males on dating apps, they tend to get all the matches, which means that the huge majority of boys actually don't get matches or get very rare matches and even if, if you do get a match it doesn't automatically mean that the person will answer back and even if it does answer back it still doesn't mean you will go on a date and if you go on a date it might still go bad so then the chances go lower and lower and it just overall creates a very dissatisfying environment um, and I think there are some researches showing that this has a direct connection with self-esteem. So a lot of guys tend to go off dating apps, so they don't want to use them anymore because it just has a very big impact on their self-esteem. Which you can actually understand. I mean, I think we've all been there. I, I for one, was on the dating apps for years um, because it's, it's a new phenomenon. You know, like we are the first generation to be dating and having all of these hot people, all of mm -hmm. this choice in front of us um, that unless... You, yeah, you really need to equip yourself going online dating with yeah. self-esteem. And yeah, you know, maybe, you know, men are known to not be so open with their feelings the way women are. So I can understand how that would affect them. And so you actually host uh, speed dating events. Yeah. This could be a good time for you to like mention that, you know, men, you can also go and speed date. And this is a great way of meeting people because it's been up and coming. I used to go a few years ago. It's how I met one of my good friends now. She was hosting speed dating a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. And since then, I've seen like three different companies that are doing it. Where are you doing this speed dating event? Um, I'm hosting them at the moment. I'm hosting them at a wine shop that's called Find Your Wine Match. And I'm also uh, planning on doing some other uh, more like personal type of speed dating events, high compatibility speed dating. So we would ask people to fill out a questionnaire before they get invited to the actual speed date. So when you go to the event, you have higher chances to be matched with someone who's actually compatible. So we take some of the pressure away for you. Um, Tell I, us more about that. Sorry if you're about to go into yeah. it. Don't mean to interrupt. Because this is really cool. Like, I mm -hmm. would be down to go to one of these. Yeah. So you're like, have you started one already? Yes, I've done okay. one already. So what happens? So you apply and then you send the form and one must fill in all of these questions. And mm -hmm. then you, your homework then is to find who's compatible with me, for example. Yeah. So we basically develop an algorithm to match people in a more scientific way. So because we know what compatibility is and what the factors are, we basically just ask people to answer some questions that are linked to these factors I just mentioned. And we uh, create a group of people who are highly compatible. So you don't get matched with only one person, 
but let's say you get to meet 10, 15 people who are highly compatible with you. And because usually uh, boys are compatible with you, but those boys are also compatible with the other girls that we invited, it means that you will actually, to some extent, be compatible with the girls too. So you can also find new friends and uh, it's just a pleasant experience overall. And this helps because it takes away a bit of the randomness of finding someone compatible. So finding someone compatible is hard and we just make it a bit more likely mm -hmm. for you to happen. Um, and I think speed dating have a good potential because they can get rid of a lot of the flaws I mentioned before when talking about dating apps. So all the expectation part is not there, all the ghosting part, all the self-esteem, the texting issues, a lot of people hate texting. And it's only a six minute date usually, right? So yeah. it's also, you're not wasting that much time because mm -hmm. overall the experience of a speed dating event lasts two or three hours. Ah, uh, even less. Yeah. Oh, okay, perfect. So yeah, it's time saving as well. It's even time though saving. You're, even though you're dating, like how many people in one evening? Uh, usually around 10. Wow. Yeah. Is there a break in between? No, no, really. <laughs> no, no, you have to be ready. Okay. Um, no toilet breaks. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You have like five or six minutes to talk to someone. Uh, some people might think it's not enough, but I can promise you if you're with the wrong person, they will be very long minutes. Uh, and that's just enough to get the vibe of a person. So you get the vibe, you get the energy, you understand if you can get along with this person. And then if you do get along after the speed dating, you can. there's mingling time so you can talk and see if that works. Um, I think this is a really again time effective strategy because usually when you go on a date from a dating app uh, there's all the time that it takes you to match with this person text schedule a meeting go to the meeting so transportation maybe two hours talking to this person and then maybe it's fail it's a fail you're not happy with how the date went whereas in this case there's no expectation there's no required preparation beforehand you just go to the speed dating event it's one hour you get to meet 10 people maybe even more and you just have higher chances to find someone you like, you have a more open attitude. And uh, I, think, I think it's just a really good strategy to contrast this uh, more like virtual uh, dating wave. And is your uh, speed dating compatibility separate to the regular speed dating? Are there two events that you do? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Because I was gonna ask about the age groups, like do you, mm -hmm. obviously for compatibility, age, is obviously a factor yeah but it also depends right because like, you could actually get along with someone who's 10 years younger than you but so it all mm -hmm. depends on the person but do you break up the age groups as well yeah so of course as you mentioned uh this is not a rule mm -hmm. but we're talking about trends so this is how it works for big numbers we have exceptions we have them every time um but yeah we tend to break down to some age categories. So I think, for example, one age category would be 25, 35. This is a big enough uh, space. And uh, it can also be low, older. Now we are actually focusing on this age. Amazing. Uh, this okay, age. great. Well, I for sure am definitely going to have to come to one of these compatibility Yes, you're welcome. Nights. How often are they on? Um, we have two events per month. Um, and maybe they will increase in the next few months. Excellent. Um, but I'm also hosting some workshops or discussion groups. This is for girls only at the moment, but maybe it will change with time. And we just discuss what is compatibility. We share our experiences, opinion, perceptions, and it is a way for uh, to empower girl and to also get to all collectively learn about love. 
because I, I think we don't really get an education on that. And love has such a big impact in our lives. It can really affect quality of our, our life overall. But we don't learn about it. We just assume that we will automatically know how to behave in relationship, how to find love. But the truth is, this is one of the hardest things ever. Uh, and even when you learn how to do it, it's still hard. So can you imagine if you don't even learn about it, if you don't even know about it? And the area of love is really recent. So it ha was not studied for a lot of years. Um, they started studying this in the last, I think, like 90 years, 100 years. So it's very fresh and recent. So we don't know much. We know some things, but we don't know much. So when people get together and they share their experiences and perception, we can actually get huge insights or a lot of learning from just talking and sharing opinions. Exactly. So, like that's why I have my podcast as well. Yeah. People, like to, to learn from each other's dating experiences, because like that, I mean, we, I, I wrote about that when I, I mentioned that in my book that, yeah, we don't have any formal education on, yeah. on love and love's all around. And, you know, like, I mean, you, there's love in so many different forms. Yeah. Dating, uh, sorry, love is a verb, not a noun. Yeah. Right. And like, it's, it's just another verb. You have to like learn how to do it and things yeah. like that. And yeah, it's a complicated verb. I keep saying the yeah. same word. Yeah. Yeah. Super interesting. So like you need to write a book next. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you're going to have like so many followers. This is really interesting. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I'm you so glad. Time. One last question then. Do opposites truly attract? <laughs> yeah. I get this question multiple times. Um, I think I think we like the idea that opposite attract. And this comes from, um, for example, some yin-yang philosophies, or uh, there's also a physical concept that opposites pull tend to attract, whereas similar tend to repulse or repel each other, yeah. But um, truth is, according to science, this is not really true. So, or they might attract, but they're not compatible in the long run. So it might be true for some people, not for everyone, that opposite attract. But again, it doesn't last in the long run. So I don't know if it's really something we can work with, if it's really useful to know. Um, so as I was saying, some people are attracted by what is opposite. Also, when we say opposite, we usually mean different, not completely opposite. Because if we're talking with someone who is completely opposite from us for every single aspect, it's very hard to get along with this person. Because it means that everything this person says comes from a very different background, very different perspective. And it can be frustrating over time to talk to someone who is just challenging every belief that you have, every life vision that you have. Um, but it might be attracting, again, at the beginning, but it just tends to fade away over time for the for what I mentioned before. So this compromising thing, uh, you can compromise a bit, but it's very unsustainable in the long run. OK, so yeah. we shouldn't be saying opposites attract. It should be differences attract. Differences attract. Yeah, okay. I like We're that. We're going to make a new slogan. Yeah, tattoos and everything. <laughs> it's going to be a new thing. Well, right, my love, thank you so much for that. You are thank full you. of information and I'm so excited to just like, I need to go like um, raid you. Your bookshelf. I need to know what <laughs> books you're reading. I'm gonna have to get on that. Well, Thank cheers, goodbye you. then. Thank you so much for Thank coming on the you. show. <laughs> Thank you. Hi lads, thank you so much again for listening and I really hope you enjoyed the show. For more episodes, please do like, share and subscribe so we can get the word out. And I also want to hear about your dating experiences, no matter what city, no matter what country you're living in, please do get in touch. 
You can reach out to me on Instagram at datinginberlin underscore book or you can email me at datinginberlinbook at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Thank you.